Denise. It's Michael's birthday today. Sorry, Michael. Here we are. Well, happy birthday for today. Here we are. We need to put that on the database so we can embarrass you next year now. <laughs> Amen. Psalm 126. Uh, the Bible says, When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. Then was our mouth filled with laughter, and our tongue with singing. Then said they among the heathen, The Lord hath done great things for them. The Lord hath done great things for us, whereof we are glad. Turn again the captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weep and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. And then if you look at John 4, 35, this is the account with the woman at the well after the Lord has spoken to the woman at Samaria. Uh, he's talking to the, to the disciples later on then. And he says in John uh, 4, uh, let's go to 34, Jesus saith unto them, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Say not either yet four months and then come of harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields for they are white already to harvest. And he that reapeth receiveth wages and gathereth fruit unto life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And herein is that saying true, one soweth and another reapeth. I send you to reap that whereon ye bestowed no labor, other men labored, and ye are entered into their labors. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for this time together this morning and for the opportunity to come and just to share uh, all that you've blessed us with in this past week. We are thankful, Lord, for the way in which you answer prayer. We're thankful for the way in which you bless us, even though we don't deserve it. We're thankful for the fact that you promised to never leave us and to never forsake us. We're thankful uh, for the friends that you've blessed us with, uh, Lord, in, in church uh, and, and through the wider part of, of Christendom. We're thankful for the way in which you've guided us uh, through the difficult times in our Christian walk. So, Father, we just pray now that you'd speak to our hearts this morning and help us to apply this word to our hearts and to our lives, and we'll be mindful to give you all the glory, thanks, and praise for it. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. It's interesting that in the scripture, oftentimes, uh, where we see Psalm 126, we use as um, a, 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 a gospel message, those that sow in tears shall doubtless come again, rejoicing, bringing in uh, the sheaves with them. We see the Lord Jesus Christ talk about the harvest of souls. And oftentimes, harvest is a good picture of soul winning. So what I'd like to do this morning, you know, we often... You know, um, the, the ladies spend a lot of time on a Saturday setting up the harvest table and, you know, people come into the church and say, oh, it looks lovely and it's, you know, it's so colorful. What I'd like to do this morning, I'd like to look at the message in the harvest table. Uh, what does the harvest table talk to about us? There's normally a few items that always come at harvest time. Um, and now then, somebody has let me down because there's one item not on the table today and that's going to kind of mess up my message a little bit, but there we are. So, first of all, I want to look at the gospel in the harvest table. If I was to say to you, um, you know, what's the first thing you think of from a biblical point of view when you think of an apple? Eve? Ah, oh, Liz, don't be so spiritual like that. 
Everybody else was thinking, yeah, definitely even sin. And then Liz is so super spiritual, she's like, oh, the apple of God's eye. Just ruined the entire message. And whenever I think of the apple, and I know before the super spiritual among us start saying, we don't know that the fruit in the Garden of Eden was an apple, you're absolutely right, we don't. But if you type in Garden of Eden, fruit, Eve's temptation, or whatever it is, you can guarantee she's going to be picking an apple off a tree. And the first thing I think of when we, when we look at the, the Garden of Eden, uh, when we look at the, the harvest table and we think of an apple, is the sin that entered the world because of the temptation from uh, the devil. You go back to Genesis chapter 3, uh, and the devil said to Eve, Yea, hath God said. Did God really mean that when he said you weren't allowed to eat of that fruit? Uh, and we see the devil taken away from God's word. Has God really said? Did he really mean that? And then we see Eve adding to God's word. Well, God said we can't eat it or touch it. God never said anything about touch it. He said just don't eat of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. God made man in his image and everything was perfect. Adam and Eve walked with God in perfect fellowship. You know, sometimes when we say, oh, we, I struggle to pray and I struggle to understand what God wants me to do. And, and, and sometimes I, you know, I don't always feel him by my side. That wasn't an issue with Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve walked with God in the cool of the day. Adam and Eve talked with God face to face in perfect fellowship. And then what happens? Sin creeps into the world and ruins everything. In an instant, everything changed. Adam and Eve were no longer uh, in pure innocence. They became sinners. They were fallen beings. And immediately, they were aware of their sinful condition, which is why they hid. When God then came into the Garden of Eden and said, Adam, where art thou? God wasn't thinking, oh, no, I've lost him. God wasn't asking that question for God's purpose. God was asking that question for Adam's purpose. Because it was then that Adam said, I was naked, I was afraid, and I hid. And God said, well, how do you know these things? Because my eyes have been opened. What God was doing was getting Adam to admit his sin. As soon as Adam admitted his sin, God was then able to provide the sacrifice to cover Adam and Eve's nakedness and therefore deal with it. Sin ruins everything. Sin destroys homes. Sin destroys lives. Sin, uh, even for the believer, if we flirt with it, it will wreck our testimony. But the incredible thing is, is that through God's mercy, through God's love, through God's grace, he has provided an answer to sin. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, when a, 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 somebody who's unsaved, who's lost, who's never trusted Christ as their Savior, once they recognize their sinful condition, then they can accept the free gift of salvation to apply to their lives. So the apple on the table is a picture of sin. Right, let's see if Liz can ruin this one for me. What do you think of when you see a carrot? What was meant to happen if you ate a carrot? 
Yeah, sight. I'm glad you kept quiet at the back there, Liz. Because I could have gone completely pear-shaped. You know, you were always told, didn't you, if you, if, if you ate carrots, you'd see in the dark. Because bunny rabbits, apparently they eat carrots and they run around in the dark, no problem. Carrots um, on the table. You always have apples, you always have carrots. Um, it's a good um, illustration of sight. You know, in Luke, um, you, don't, you don't have to turn it, but in Luke 10, 46, we see um, Bartimaeus. It's not Luke 10, 46. Hang on. Mark 10. It's, it's in the 20s, isn't it, with Luke? Um, so Mark 10, 40. Thank you, Brother Andrew. Mark 10, 46. Are you, you lead me astray now, Brother Andrew. Yeah, that's right. Um, I was right. Mark 10, 46. That's what I said in the first place. And here we see um, Bartimaeus, um, and it says, uh, so it, it starts in Luke 10, 46. But after he received his sight, it says in 52, Jesus said to him, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus. You see, once our sin is forgiven, our eyes are opened. Well, what did John Newton say? You know, I once was blind but now I see. You imagine Bartimaeus' life. His whole life he's been living in darkness. He hasn't known any different. Uh, not to know what, what, what color the grass is. Not to know what a sunset looks like. Not to know what, what the trees look like. Not to know what, what a person's face looks like. The color of their eyes. Nothing. How incredible the first sight he saw was the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, when we come to know Christ as our Savior, our eyes are open. And what we do then, things that we used to do in our past life that we wouldn't bat an eyelid at, suddenly we recognize how really bad that was. Our eyes are open to the dangers of, of, of sin. Our eyes are opened uh, to, you know, the, the evil in the world. Um, like poor Bartimaeus, every lost sinner is spiritually blind. Corinthians, Paul said to the church at Corinth in his second letter, that the God of this world has blinded the minds of them that believe not. Um, Bartimaeus had something wrong with his eyes, but the lost sinner has something wrong with their heart. There are people all around us whose physical sight is no problem. 2020. You know, you don't really appreciate your physical sight until, until you have to start wearing glasses. But as you get older, it's great because the older you start looking in the mirror, the less you can see, so it really doesn't matter. I need glasses. To, I, you are all a blur, so that's a blessing on my part. But I need glasses now to see you. Oh, no, that's we'll take them off. I need glasses to see from a distance, but I also need glasses to read. That's hard work when your physical sight goes. But there have been things provided to kind of counteract that, to make it better. When our spiritual sight is darkened, there's been something provided to enable us to see what we need to see when Bartimaeus' eyes were opened, 
He simply followed the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, you know, the, uh, the, 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 like I said, the first thing he saw was the beauty of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, we are here today. We've come to church today to worship him because the, the lost world, they don't care about Christ other than using his name to express disgust. They couldn't care less about who he was or what he did or where he lived or when he lived. But to us who are saved, you know, the Bible says that the preaching of the cross to them that perish is foolishness. But to those who are saved, he means everything to us. When we sing about him, we can't help but think, oh, that's my savior. It's incredible to think that when our eyes are opened, we, we see him better than we did, but we still don't see him as clearly as we will one day. And if the apple on the table talks about the, the sin the carrots on the table talk about the fact that our eyes have been opened and we have a new sight. I once was blind, but now I see. Just picture for a moment a big harvest. Well, what's missing on the table? There's always on the table. Christine, I'm not asking you, Liz, you wrecked my first point. Bread. Roslyn normally brings the bread in. But she was here yesterday on time. So <laughs> you can't have it always, can you? If the baker was, wasn't sick, you probably wouldn't have been here by one o'clock, would you? <laughs> bread. There's normally bread on the harvest table. And if I was to ask you what you think of when we mention bread... What would be the first thing that comes to mind? Oh, here we go. The Last Supper, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for it. Yeah, we think of the body, don't we? The body of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in John chapter 6, after he'd fed the 5,000, after that miracle, um, the, the, the scribes and the Pharisees came and pretty much asked him for another sign. And at that point is where he declared, I am the bread of life. And I love how the Lord works. You know, Bethlehem, uh, Bet is house for him, bread. Bethlehem being the house of bread. And the fact that the bread of life was born in the house of bread. And again, we've mentioned this time and time again, haven't we? What's the first thing you buy when it snows? Why do we do that? Why do we go for bread and milk? I mean, those things don't really go together, do they? But we, we, we get bread and milk. And it's, it's almost as if that's the staple. If we are snowed in for the rest of our lives, as long as I've got 14 loaves of bread in the freezer, I'm going to be Okay. But we, we kind of rely upon that as a staple. And what we need to realize is, is that the Lord Jesus Christ gave his body to satisfy the sins of the world. That's what he gave his body for. Sin separated us from God. But when we trust Christ, our Savior, our eyes are open. He gave his body for us. That heavenly bread not only has the power to save, that heavenly bread has the power to secure. That heavenly bread has the power to satisfy. 
These, uh, when the Lord Jesus Christ said that he is the bread of life, we recognize that physical bread can sustain us for all of those who are not got celiac or gluten intolerance. Physical bread can sustain us for a period of time. But heavenly bread can sustain us for eternity. Christ is the bread that gives everlasting life. Nothing can take that away from the believer. How incredible to know that none but Christ can satisfy. When the Lord Jesus Christ on that last supper night took the bread and broke it and said, take eat, this is my body which is broken for you. When he gave his life upon the cross of Calvary, his body was broken so that the sins of the world could be forgiven. And he did that for us. That's how much he loves us. The other thing that's always on the table, that bread. Grapes. You always have grapes. I know. I know, there's, there's just the bread that's missing, thanks to Rosslyn. Um, but, but the grapes are there. What do you think of when you think of grapes? Wine. What do you think of when you think of wine? I wasn't going to put wine up, but what do you think of when you think of wine? The blood. The blood of Christ. The blood of Christ that cleanseth us from all sin. The Bible says, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. You know, you go back, and, and we've mentioned this time and time again, you go back to the Old Testament, and you see the sacrifices that were made in the tabernacle, and even before the tabernacle. You know, the, Abel built an altar and gave a blood sacrifice. Noah built an altar and gave a blood sacrifice. Abraham built an altar and gave a blood sacrifice. Blood was required way before God gave the law and then instituted the offerings that were made in the tabernacle. The very first blood sacrifice was made back in the Garden of Eden when that first creature was killed in order to clothe Adam and Eve with the skin of that animal. Imagine what they thought. They'd never seen death before. There was no death until sin entered. And then to see the blood shed because of what they had done Christ shed his blood. You know, we can, we can say, oh, you know, it was the Jewish people. It's their fault that Jesus died upon the cross because they demanded that he be crucified. And people can blame the Romans. Well, it was the Romans were the ones that uh, had the death penalty. And they were the ones that nailed him to the cross. But it was our sin that put the Lord Jesus Christ upon the cross. And he said that he laid down his life. He said, I, I'm going to give my life, but I'm going to take it back up again. His blood had to be shed. You see, uh, on the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, when uh, they, they took the, uh, the two animals and they would, uh, they would kill the one uh, as a sacrifice, and they would put the blood then on the scapegoat, and they would send the goat off into the, uh, outside the camp and into the wilderness. It was a picture of the fact that the sins were only dealt with temporarily 
But when Christ died upon the cross, the sin issue was dealt with permanently. Christ's blood was shed so our sins could be forgiven. As far as the east is from the west, so far that our transgressions being removed from us. What we see in the harvest table is the gospel. The apple, a picture of sin. Um, we see uh, the carrots, a picture of our, our sight being opened and accepting Christ, the bread, the body, accepting Christ as our Savior because his blood, the grapes, a picture of the wine, his blood has washed our sins away. But not only do we see the, um, the gospel in the table, we see something else. So what items are brought to the table? There's only two items that are on the table. What are they? Fruit and veg. Um, that's all it is. That is what is on the table. So the interesting thing about vegetables, and here's the thing. Vegetables, um, what we call root vegetables, they don't look very attractive um, above ground. So we got our, our will, I'm going to wreck your display now. Do I want to touch them? I'm sorry, I have. Oh, heck. <laughs> no, but I want, I want those. So all you see above the ground is that green bit there. You don't see the carrots below the ground. And it's like, yeah, if you, if you see potatoes growing, potatoes grow. If you, wanna, if you like, want to get into gardening, grow potatoes. They grow like crazy. But above ground, they don't look that special. It's just, you know, this green leaf and it's, it's nothing fantastic. Um, it's, uh, same with any root vegetable. So why am I saying all of that? The vegetables on the table picture our growth. You see... Nothing is pretty about the veg above ground, but all the work is unseen underground. Our growth part as Christians doesn't always look pretty. That stuff goes unseen. Our private prayer time, our Bible reading, the trials that we go through. But that is what is important for us to grow. Psalm 1 says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, but is what? But he is like a, nor sitteth in the way of sinners, nor standeth in the seat of the scornful, nor sitteth in the way of the skinners. But he is like a tree planted. And that's what is important for us, that we are planted properly in the Lord Jesus Christ. As believers, we are meant to grow. We're not meant to just come to church for, you know, to look nice. We're not just meant to come to church for a tick in the box. We're not meant to just read our Bible because, oh, yeah, there's some fun stuff in there. And, you know, there's some nice anecdotes in there that I might be able to use sometime. No, we're meant to do all of that to grow. And a lot of that stuff as we grow is unseen. A lot of that stuff is not, um, the, you know, the big fancy stuff that everybody sees. A lot of the, the growing that we do is not seen by people. It's the tough, difficult situations we go through in life. It's the hard heartache and, and the pain that we struggle with. Uh, the vegetables speak about our roots. Now, how deep do they go down? You know, are we, are we easily shaken when trials come our way? 
How deep have our roots gone? Are we like a tree, as the psalmist said in Psalm 1, planted by, uh, by the river? Are we close to that life-giving resource? You know, the, the amount of times that we've cut trees down up there, and do you know what? They just grow back almost like at an exponential rate. Why? Because they're right by the water source. If you are as close as possible to that life-giving source, to the river of life, to the, 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 the water of life, if you are by the Lord Jesus Christ planted, then it doesn't matter what difficulties come our way. We're able to stand upright. Why? Because our roots go down. The life of the successful believer will be head and shoulders above anybody else. You know, gardening, you know more than my viewers of gardening. I hate gardening. I still don't fully understand the difference between a perennial and an annual. And I, why we waste time buying stuff that is only going to last for five minutes. You're like, you buy that stuff, why didn't it come back next year? Because it's an annual. I don't know what that means. What's the point in having those things that only last for a second? You know, we've been saved to last. And we need to be rooted. We need to be grounded in the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, that tree that's planted by the water, as it grows because it's by the life-sustaining force, then it is able to produce uh, a fruit. Then its leaf is not going to fade. And the successful believer is going to be more like an evergreen. Uh, he's always surrounded by that life uh, that is given by the Lord Jesus Christ. Our lives should be lives of consistency. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. The successful believer who is properly rooted in the Lord Jesus Christ will be able to cope with the curveballs that come our way. And finally, what do you think of when you think of fruit? What's the first thing that comes to mind? Fruit. Fruit of the Spirit. I'm not going to ask what you said, Liz. Did you say fruit of the Spirit? Okay, I forgive you for the first spiritual answer you gave. Yeah, it was fruit of the Spirit. If the vegetables talk about our roots and our growth and the things that are not seen, then the fruit talks about our reach and the parts of our Christian life that everybody does see. Uh, you know, vegetable talks about growth that you can't see. The fruit talks about the reach, uh, about the stuff that you can see in our lives. Um, the, the Lord said, for every tree is known by his own fruit. You know, what do people know us by? Do they know us by our fruit? Do we display the fruit of the Spirit? Do we display that love um, that, that Paul talked about? The fruit of the Spirit is love. You know, it's incredible um, to think that the Lord loved us in such a way that he would be willing to give his life for us. But can we say that we love him in return? Do we love him just as much? 
when we think that he was willing to go as far as the cross for us, how far are we willing to go for him? And again, I will, I will, it bugs me when people are not in church. And I'm not going to ever make an excuse for that. Unless you are ill or working, you should be in church. Because what you were saying when you don't come is, Lord, you were not important to me. I know you went to the cross for me, but I can't be bothered to just drive 10 minutes to come to church for you. If we love him, we'll keep his commandments. Oh, yeah, but that was Paul that said, forsake not the assembly of ourselves together as the man of some is. And so much the more so as you see the day approaching. What day? The last days. Guys, we're in the last days. You know, I'm going to be a, a, a deep theological scholar to recognize that what's going on in the world today is a little bit frightening. Well, we see the day approaching. So even more so, we should be in the Lord's house. If we love him, that's what we'll do. He loved us enough to go to the cross for us, but we don't often love him enough to even be where he's asked us to be. Joy. You know, sometimes you, we used to say this to the kids, you, you, know, you ever said this to me, are you happy? Yeah. Well, why didn't you tell your face then? You know, some people just don't look happy to be a Christian. You know, what kind of a test me is that? You know, I, you, I, this is what we're going to do. I'm going to give everybody an opportunity, everybody that stands up here and preaches, you know, whether it's Brother Andrew, Andrew Davis, Dad, Alistair, John, um, anybody who stands in this pulpit and preaches, you can see everybody's faces. And sometimes you're like, man, I, I don't know what it's going to take for you to have a bit of joy. Everybody, I was desperately going like, even if I'm not happy, <laughs> I've got to, if the last point convicted me, I'm smiling. <laughs> but how can we expect people to want what we've got if we're like a, like a sourpuss? You know, we, we often think, oh, the fruit of the Spirit is like, anybody ever bitten into a lemon? We, we used to have guys in work that we would call spiral lemons. That's what we would call them because they were bitter and twisted. That's what we'd call them because they were so unhappy about everything. Well, we're meant to have a joy. A joy knowing that our sins are forgiven. A joy knowing that no matter what happens in this life, heaven is our home. A joy knowing that Christ is never going to leave us or forsake us. A joy knowing that no matter what trial we go through, we don't go through it on our own. We should have a joy that no matter what happens in terms of our health, one day we'll have a body that is so perfect like the Lord Jesus Christ that this is just a temporary thing that we have to suffer on earth until he takes us home to glory. We should have a joy. And I should show on our face. So it was hard to be happy all the time. I, I, I get that. I get that there's circumstances and situations that we kind of not always going to walk around like that. But I tell you what, if you start talking about the Lord, you better start smiling. Because if you can't get excited about the things of God, if you can't get excited about talking about the Lord Jesus Christ, something is not right. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. 
How many of us feel like so angry all the time? You have a peace of God that passes understanding. That peace of God should go with you everywhere. Especially behind the wheel of the car. We don't always have the peace of God. Oh, we might drive and we want people to meet Jesus there and then. But we should have a peace. You know, I, I love uh, when, when the Lord called us in the ministry. And, and I've shared this with you before. You know, we were giving up our jobs and, and we weren't sure, you know, where money was going to come from. And everybody in work thought we were crazy. And, and a lot of people would try and talk us out of doing what we were doing. But there was such a peace. And, and you couldn't explain it. And, and Joe, one day, just hit the nail on the head. She said, it's like an inability to worry about it. And I'm like, that's it. That's the peace of God that passes understanding. And when we know him as our Savior, Paul said, and the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering. That means patience, endurance, uh, constancy, steadfastness, perseverance. Um, when Joe did this for the ladies' meeting in COVID, um, she termed it like this, a slowness to anger. Far away anger, sorry. So that, you know, that's the, the kind of last port of call. That anger is far away. That's what long-suffering is. And Paul said in Ephesians 4.32, be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Sometimes we struggle with this part of the fruit of the Spirit in our lives because we haven't got much patience. We haven't got a faraway anger. We, our fuse is maybe a little bit too short. There should be a gentleness in us, a sweetness of attitude. How many of us turn straight away to griping and complaining? Maybe the queue is too long wherever you are. Maybe the wait is too long in the restaurant you're at. Maybe, you know, the, 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 the traffic is too busy. Maybe, you know, you're, whoever borrowed the car before you, I'm for petroling. And, and we go straight away to the oh, frustrated part. And we allow the old flesh nature to come back in. But the fruit is meant to be on display. And can I say this? You never see a fruit tree doing this, trying to produce fruit. Try and force an apple out on the end of the branch. It produces the fruit naturally because that's what it does. Can I say this? As believers, we shouldn't be trying to force this out of us. It should become naturally because we're attached to vine. Gentleness ought to be a, a sweet attitude. Goodness is simply a willingness to do good and to help others. This is simply um, Christian love in action. Faith, the ability to trust God no matter what, but without faith it's impossible to please God. Every child of God should be Faithful to him, not because I stand you week in, week out, berating you for 
not reading your Bible enough or for not praying enough or for not being in church enough. Don't do anything for me. I've said this before. You haven't got to answer to me when we stand before the Lord. You answer to him. But without faith, it's impossible to please him. Meekness simply means restraint, power under control. Not using one's power for evil, but using it for good. You know, oftentimes people think meekness means weakness, but Moses was meek. The Lord Jesus Christ was meek, but neither of them were weak. And then finally, temperance. Self-control, refusing to do those things you have in your power to do. Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 5.22, abstain from all appearances of evil. Temperance is the attitude whereby the life is searched and made to submit to the will of God in Christ Jesus. It's the opposite of the majority of people. Because let's be honest, we want to live our lives in accordance with what we want to do. How many of us, if we were truthful, start the day saying, right, okay, Lord, what do you want me to do today? Where do you want me to go today? Who do you want me to talk to today? The fruit is what people see. We see the gospel in the table from the apple, sin separates us from God. From the carrots, our sight is opened when we trust Christ. The bread, the body as our Savior because his, uh, the grapes, the, the, the wine, the cup, the blood, because his blood was shed for us. That's the gospel. But then we see the growth in the table. The fruit represents the roots. You know, that's the, st- the, the sorry, the veg represents the, the roots. You don't see the growth in our lives. You know, what's above ground is not as pretty as what's below ground. Our roots ought to be deep. But the fruit is what is seen. That's our reach. That's what's seen by everybody. If people look at our lives, will they say, that's what I want to be? I want to be like that person. They've got something that I I just, how do you go through that difficulty? How do you go through that trial? How can you have that attitude when these things are happening? Because I'm attached to the vine. And that's the fruit that is naturally produced. And that's what people see. What do people see when they look at you? Do they see the Lord Jesus Christ? Because he is displayed in every one of the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. Do we display that fruit? Because it ought to be on show, just like our table. And people come in and say, oh, look at the table. And you just see everything straight away. When people see our lives, do they see that fruit of the Spirit on display straight away? Because they ought not see us. They ought to see the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you again for this day, for this time together, and for this opportunity to come around your word. Lord, I pray you would continue to speak to our hearts. Lord, I pray you'd help us to recognize the importance that we have as believers uh, to show to a lost and dying world what the Lord Jesus Christ has done in our lives. So Father, I just pray that you would help us today. Lord, I pray that you would, uh, again, as we 
contemplate all that you've done for us, and we thank you for the many blessings you bestowed upon our lives. I pray you'd help us to be the witness and the testimony that we have to be, we need to be, we ought to be in this lost and dying world today. Again, Lord, we're thankful for the privilege we have to be able to come to church and to worship you, and I just pray you'd continue to speak to our hearts. We pray and ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and close our service out by singing our last hymn, um, Just Lean Upon the Arms of Jesus. Amen.
Father, Lord, we are thankful, Lord, to be found in this place uh, this morning, Lord. We are thankful for your practical provision for us as we look at the table before us, Lord. We are just so grateful for your blessings that you pour out upon us each and every day, Lord. And as we've been reminded uh, in the message this morning of uh, your spiritual provision for us, we are thankful for that also, Lord, for all that you do for us. We thank you for the reminder of the gospel message of the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ for our sins. We pray, Lord, if there's one uh, amongst us this morning that doesn't know you as yet, we pray that uh, the message will have spoken to their hearts and that they will come to the foot of the cross even this morning, Lord, and seek your forgiveness. So, Lord, we pray that you'll be with us as we leave this place and just bless bless us uh, as we leave and just bring us back again uh, safely at the next appointed time. Be with us, we pray, and we ask this in Jesus' name. 